Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. It's not that hard, Judd. When you're wrong about Tiger Woods, all you have to do is issue a correction and an apology. I'm happy for Tiger. I feel great. I feel great. (laughs) Until he grabs his back and collapses, I will then say I told you so. Not that hard. I think that was a non-apology. Oh, it most definitely was. Insincere. Like Kenny's saying, oh, there'll too. probably be a crash on that road at some point. I'm not going to apologize. And he's right. No, I was wrong. Never That'll say be wrong. a landmark deal for Kirk Cousins at this point in time, but it'll be a fully guaranteed deal. It is likely to come in Minnesota. Kirk Cousins will become the highest paid quarterback in football, and it'll be a big deal. It'll be roughly $84 million. Uh, it will be a lot of money, and uh, he might not sign it today because isn't the schedule that he comes into Minneapolis yeah. today with his agent and whoever else, family. Schefter said he will sign on Thursday, so my guess is he comes today. They take him to Manny's tonight. He goes and sees Egan. He signs the contract tomorrow, and sees we get Egan again. You mean? And we get exactly, exactly, and we get a press conference on Friday. That's my prediction. Okay, so just don't get too much whiskey in you, Rick Spielman tonight. Mike Zimmer, maybe stop after one glass of wine. Don't talk religion. Don't talk politics. Nothing to upset Kirk Cousins. How about that Trump guy, Kirk? Yeah, yeah. What, what do you think? Just real quick before we. Uh, <laughs> I mean, know, I just got some thoughts we on get this. the tab here. Uh, yeah, what do you think about Catholicism? <laughs> Anything, anything about atheism. Um, uh, there's a bunch of Vikings-related news breaking last night and this morning we should get to. But just real quick for fun, I was having a conversation with uh, with our dear friend and general manager, Dan Seaman, in the hallway here. And he follows football kind of peripherally. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and he's got the 30,000-foot executive view because he's a radio executive, right? And he goes, let me ask you this on Kirk Cousins. So, um... Like he hasn't he hasn't signed yet. Like no, he, no one can sign until three o'clock. He goes, aren't the Vikings in kind of a weird spot in that all of their Plan B, C, D, and E options have agreed elsewhere? Like, what if something goes wrong today in the negotiation process? What would they do? And I'm like, I guess no one has no one has really uh, opened their mind to that possibility. But is there like a three percent possibility that we could have a Josh McDaniel situation that leaves the Vikings now without Bridgewater? Cut, uh, sure, Keenum, yeah, yeah. Bradford, sure there is. and uh, and I guess McCown would have been the other option. They've all agreed to terms with yeah. You got no Teddy other football and, teams, so because Teddy's going to the Jets and that. There's got to be somebody to get to get. I Just mean, saying like because he's not going to sign at three o'clock Christian like Potter's some of the other shape still. He's still alive. You go get Christian off his couch. I mean, he's pr- probably trying to find a job somewhere. Is there any part of you knowing how no. how the Vikings Roadrunner story ends? No, no, it's in Wiley Coyote fashion. No. Not even like two percent. Not for not. I for just want to make sure that we're leaving no stone unturned, unturned here. Not for this part. Now, now, do I think that that when uh, Kirk takes the uh, takes to the training camp fields in, in Egan and 
you know, he's practicing on new loose turf. Oh, God. And he drops back to pass and grabs his leg. Could that happen? Absolutely. Yeah. But no, not even, I don't even think that there's really a chance mm-hmm. that it falls through this this quickly. Vikings, the Vikings lore and history, Phil, is more tortured than that, right? Like, you don't have, ordinarily, you wouldn't have Kirk be sit down at Manny's and say, you know what, uh, this steak's not so great. I'm going, I'm going to the Jets. But what you could have is... What if he's a vegetarian and he's too polite to say anything? And he's just furious that you brought him to Manny's. <laughs> he's just cutting up the meat. He's vegan. He's just cutting up the meat and putting it aside. Kirk, what's wrong? Nothing. He's just eating, like, the... He's just squeezing, Kirk, like, the, the, le- the lemon Kirk, that you get on go. the side. Don't go! No, don't do it! Zim, wake up! Zim's drunk. Um, other moves that have gone down. There's so many things we could dive into here. But let's start with the breaking news right before the show. Jarek McKinnon to the ever-expanding San Francisco 49ers. And get this. So Adam Schefter had the numbers on this. And we kind of knew, yeah, it's going to be tough. Dalvin Cook's going to get the majority of the snaps. And you're paying him a pretty good chunk of money, second-round you know, second round draft pick. We kind of knew that Jarek McKinnon likely wasn't coming back. Mm-hmm. But now it's official. And it's $7.5 million average annual value on a four-year contract. Which makes him the fourth highest paid running back in the NFL. Have we seen the guarantees yet? By I have not on that? yet, no. But you know he's get like Here's, you know the first year is basically guaranteed. All so. right. All right. So Jer- Jarek has to take this, and I completely get that. But let me say this about Jarek. I think Jarek sees himself as as an every down potentially guy who can be used a ton. I think the way that the Vikings used McKinnon was very, very smart. And subsequently, with his size, if you use him a ton, I don't know that that works out great. He had it. Now, I'm sure the Vikings couldn't have afforded to pay him what San Francisco will. But I think he had a good situation here. And I think his use here was very smart and and was very um, was a good way to keep him playing for a long time. Yeah. I'm curious if he plays a ton. I'm very curious to see how long he plays because he's not that big a guy, and I think he easily could get worn down quickly. So every, I feel like four times a game, he should have a concussion from the way that he just barrels into defenders yeah. and the line of scrimmage. He plays his ass off. He's a he's a really good player. He's probably one of the more underrated Swiss Army knife type players in the NFL. And I think it's great that he had a big time contract season and just like rooting for a guy who played really well for four years. I think congratulations. It's life changing money and. And uh, I think San Francisco's got some great things going on there. Now that Richard Sherman's on board, they got the franchise quarterback. They're going to be good. A great offensive-minded head coach. Mm-hmm. They have a lot of good things going on there. But that's a big loss for the Vikings. You know, you could take Jarek McKinnon, and you could plug him in. Even when Adrian Peterson was on the team, he bailed out Adrian Peterson on third downs and late in games when you were trailing. It wasn't Peterson on the field. It was Jarek McKinnon. He was a good draft pick, yes. And you know, and and his career, he's four yards per carry. He's not, a, he's not really an explosive, big yardage running back, but he caught fifty passes last year. Mm-hmm. And if you were to extrapolate his numbers, take away the first four weeks when Dalvin Cook was the starter, um, we're talking about like a like a fifteen hundred to two thousand all-purpose yard guy. If you were to feed him, but I'm with you. I don't think but he's I don't an know every. That that's smart. Yeah. He's being paid like an every-down guy. I don't know if he's he's durable enough with that many touches. It might be a little bit of a a stretch to say that he's like a 300 to 350 touch guy. Yeah. But good for him. Jarek McKinnon makes a bunch of money. 
Sam, any more on Jeremy Kinnear? No, we no, keep going no. Here? Let's okay. get to Sam. All right, Sam Bradford. There's fraud going on in Arizona. One year, yes. $20 million. I believe it's $16 million guaranteed for Sam Bradford. That is starting quarterback money, so yes. he's likely going to start the season. They might draft somebody late in the first round, but Sam Bradford starting the season for the Arizona Cardinals as they hope to keep pace in a really tough division. Wow. So it's a it, it amounts to, as you just said, one year... 20 mil, 15 guaranteed, an option for the Cardinals to pick up for 2019 at 20 million more. So here's my favorite stat. He got a raise, by the way. Yeah, he did. That dude got a raise. Here's my favorite Sam Bradford stat. This will bring his lifetime earnings. Do you want to take a guess? I think I, I, think look, might I, I know. believe it's in the $130 million range. $134 right? million dollars lifetime <laughs> since 2010. Here's the stat I found yesterday that boggles one's mind and when we talk about oh how can a quarterback get paid like that here's how 134 million dollars if he gets through this contract with the cardinals he has missed 48 of a possible 128 games he has missed since coming into the league in 2010 as the first pick by the rams the equivalent of three full national football league seasons he has made from the rams 65.1 million dollars He made from the Eagles $24 million. Wow. He made from the Vikings $25 million. And now from the Cardinals, he's probably going to get at least, well, he's going to get at least 15, if not 20. You know what? You know what? Bravo. Yeah. Sam Bradford, bravo. you probably should be incarcerated, but bravo to you. No, don't blame him. Blame the people that give him the deal. It's the system, right? It's not like you don't know. I mean, it's, it is just it's it's mind boggling. Don't you though. think at, at right. some point he goes goes into the meeting tap dancing like Danny Kay? <laughs> <laughs> so at the end at the end of yesterday's show, we found out that the Saints oh. that the Saints so the Saints were the only team to offer a bunch of money to Drew Brees. That some other team offered sixty million dollars guaranteed over two years, mm-hmm. and we thought maybe that that was the Vikings, right? It had to be the Vikings. It was the Cardinals, right? The Cardinals. If the Cardinals are willing to pay oh. Sam Bradford. Just so they don't miss out on now, the you know, musical chairs game, twenty million dollars for one year, which is going to amount to like five million dollars per game started for Sam Bradford before he gets crippled you've, and broken you've, ribs. You've missed the equivalent of three full seasons, and a team is still willing to say the uh, the head coach of the team that you just played for got up to a microphone and publicly said, "Well, the problem there is he has a degenerative knee." And you're willing to write a check for twenty million dollars. So what? What like teams don't draw the line when it comes to desperation for a quarterback? Degenerative knee and three surgeries on the same knee is not enough to draw a line and say, you know what? Let's make it ten million. Let's be, right. you know, let, let's, yeah. let's try eight million dollars. How about instead. five? Nope. Here's twenty. How about twenty? <laughs> $20 million? Yeah, yeah. To to be our starter, despite the fact that you just got done with a season in which you played one game. Yeah, don't you essentially think one game. for the Cardinals, who are still in win-now mode with Larry Fitzgerald, David Johnson coming back, a couple, couple studs on defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, they're, in, they're not in full rebuild mode. Otherwise, they wouldn't have signed Sam Bradford. Don't you think the better strategy for less money would have been what the Jets did? Which is Josh McCown, for, and let's keep going down our list here, Josh McCown for $10 million, yes. and then Teddy Bridgewater for $5 million, On one year, and then yes. maybe draft somebody in the first round. Yes, I do. I mean, if you're could have, if you the Cardinals and the Vikings, we were saying if you miss out on Kirk Cousins, that's probably your option, right? Handcuff Teddy Bridgewater to Josh McCown and may the best quarterback win the job. Um, 
that seems like a better, more viable plan that gives you at least a guy in Josh McCown who's going to be steady and he's old. He's 39 years old, but he's going to be out there and he's going to be healthy for and the most part. And it's still potentially cheaper. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Case would, if I'm the Cardinals, the, the deal that the Broncos gave Case makes more sense. The Bradford deal, among the deals that, that have been agreed to uh, since the legal tampering period started, the Bradford deal might be the most mind-boggling, considering the fact that you know the condition of his knee is awful. It's just straight desperation. It's a last hurrah for a franchise with one of the greatest receivers of all time aging, yep. with a running back coming off a big-time injury that you don't know. You know you're kind of looking at David Johnson saying, you know, we we can't expect him to be durable beyond 2018. So let's take let's make one last run at this thing with this core. If Carson Palmer's retired, but your plan's better. I agree. Your plan's far far superior. And and if anyone's going to sit here and say Kirk Cousins 28 million, guess what? Sam Bradford stands to make eight million less. That's it. Yeah. That's it. So if you're saying how could the Vikings pay this guy that much guaranteed money? Well, I'd much rather guarantee Kirk Cousins twenty eight than take a than take a swing on Sam Bradford at potentially twenty, knowing full well that there's a good chance that he plays great for three weeks. We get to week four and he goes to take the garbage out and comes back and says, oh, "You know, I'm done for the season again. I'm really sorry about this, guys." Like, as he he rolls out to the right like Forrest Gump as a kid with the knee braces falling yes. off. Uh, and then there's there's other things here, too. Uh, the Green Bay Packers, so they released Jordy Nelson. Mm-hmm. The Green Bay Packers were paying, I believe, over $30 million per year to their three main wide receivers when you count Randall Cobb and Devontae Adams. Mm-hmm. Jordy Nelson was the least of those three salary-wise, but still made like $9 million a year or something. Not the same player he was two or three years ago. And uh, he gone. Jimmy Graham in on a three-year contract yes. at age 31, yep. coming over from the uh, the Seahaw- Seattle Seahawks. Seahawks. And he's not the same now. He did catch 10 touchdown passes yeah. last year. But he's no, he's not the same guy that New Orleans had five years right. ago. Right. So the Packers are uh, moving and shaking a little bit. They had a couple other moves yesterday, too. I told you, though. I, I saw a uh, PFT report last night that Jordy is going to contact the Patriots and wants to play for, uh, for Belichick. Is there a more Patriots type of player and receiver than Jordy Nelson? Well, let's he fits let's, the profile perfectly. Let's check the boxes. Yep. And Danny Amendola, by the way, to the Dolphins yes. on a multi-year contract. So white receiver. Yep. The obvious. Jack. Uh good uh, locker room guy and leadership qualities, right? Jack. Jack. Runs the routes. Maybe perceived to have either underachieved or or have crossed over a hill somewhere and the and the, the Patriots can squeeze some extra toothpaste you're, out of the tube. You're three for three right now. Check. Might be too tall as a white receiver, though. They like the short white guys. Yeah, it is usually the, the slot That's Julian Edelman. It's your right? Edelman's, your Amendola's. Well, Chris I mean, Hogan, might... how tall was he? Was he six feet tall? Ooh, I wonder what the height. I think he's too big. This is an interesting one. I'm going because... back like you know Danny Woodhead yeah. was catching passes, and you know he's a little guy. Danny Woodhead. Who's yeah. the other guy? Rex Burkhead. Yes. <laughs> Jordy Nelson's perfect for this. I'm telling they, you guys. I, it's like the Patriots just... Hold on. They're so good, and Bill Belichick is such a savant. They just look at headshots, names, and and height, basically. <laughs> okay, Burkhead. yeah. Jor- Jordy is six foot three, so that is pretty tall. Let's see if I can Thank find... You for breaking that down. Amendola here. is tall. Amendola here. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm just doing this quickly, this because that, that would be the one... That would be the one potential problem... 
although I think it works out fine. 5'11 for Amendola. See? So, yeah, he's a little bit shorter. Nonetheless, I think, he, I think he fits the profile almost perfectly. <laughs> he might not a have a jersey that fits him. <laughs> Look, these are the white guy jerseys over here. Uh, I guess we can't cover your navel. Yeah, so. there's going to be some midriff, but that's okay. <laughs> it's okay. Um, Sage Rosenfels is going to join us in about 15 or 20 minutes to talk about the Kirk Cousins, not signing yet, but agreed upon three-year guaranteed deal. So Lewis Riddick, we had some tweets yesterday during our show in the noon hour that Lewis Riddick and Bill Polian were on one of the NFL shows. Like ESPN was running NFL stuff in the afternoon, and they were both ranting about how great Case Keenum is and how terrible of a signing the Kirk Cousins contract would be. We actually have audio. Lewis Riddick was indignant this morning on Golik and Wingo. Yes, he was. Anti-Kirk Cousins and pro-Case Keenum. Let's react to some of that when we come back here. Mackie and Judd in the T-Cell Broadcast Studios. The Mackie and Judd Show rolls on. Ready or not. On 1500 ESPN. Philadelphia has also added some people works. right now yeah. where they're not sitting on, they're not resting on their laurels nope. either. No. They're still trying to, they're trying to like absolutely destroy your passer with the pass rushers they keep trying to bring in there. All right. They have some people in the secondary who play above and beyond what I thought they could play. They have on the offensive side of football, one of the best offensive lines in football. They have one of the best combination of running backs in football. As long as Alshon Jeffrey can continue to play at the high level that he played at, Nelson Aguilar can repeat the performance in 2018 that he had in 2017. Doug Peterson all of a sudden isn't going to rest on his laurels either. No. You tell me Kirk Cousins is not making the difference between those two teams as far as okay, I know. So that was just part of what uh, Lewis Riddick, former NFL executive and player, said this morning on Golik and Wingo. He has been on a rampage the last two days, I guess. People have been watching him on like NFL Live and... Anti-Kirk Cousins, pro-Case Keenum. Mm-hmm. Let's play a couple sound bites here, and then we can react. Sage right. Rosenfels joins in about 10 minutes, by the way. Look, I would say this. I don't I don't think Kirk Cousins has a markedly stronger arm than Case Keenum does. I would also say this. Talking to people who I trust and all, look, I, I think there is as much brain power, processing power in Case Keenum as far as his football intellect as Kirk Cousins has with his football intellect. I don't see the wide disparity or great disparity as far as one guy being more talented than the other. I understand the shorter sample size as far as Case Keenum is concerned, but it's not like he only did it, Chris, for like two or three games. I mean, he did it for the better part of his season, 14 games. And then he did it in the playoffs. And in the first half of the NFC Championship game, the first drive of that game, you're sitting there going, I mean, he's hammering them and hits like zing, zing, zing. I mean, forget about the interception. Let's play one more clip here. One more clip. Let's just forget about generalities. Let's just boil it down to specific, specific situational football. Where is the edge that Kirk's given them? Is it in the red area? No. Is it pressure situations? No. Is it big game situations? No. So where is it? Tell me what's the edge you're getting for $84 million guaranteed. What is the edge? What is the upgrade? Where is it? Tell me where it is. And And if you're in that locker room, Chris... And this guy's coming in, and they give you a contract like that, and you're Anthony Barr or you're Daniil Hunter or you're one of those guys who's looking to get a big payday too, you're sitting there going, okay, all right. Yeah. <laughs> Show, me. Show me what the, you the, got. The, this yeah. has to work. This it, has to no, work. No, there is no if. You know it has it, to it work. It has to work. That's where I'm going. <laughs> that, that is all in as all in gets. Well, I, I, I'm, I'm, the hot take police might have to pull over Lewis Riddick of all, for being that, that bullish all, on Case Keenum. First of all, the hot take of this has to work. Yeah, it has to work. That's why you're doing it. 
You made this move because you specifically made this move because you think it's going to. It's not like they signed him. They're like, we hope this works. Yeah. We we think he's a combination of McNabb late in his career and Ponder. We sure mm-hmm. hope it works. Do you think there was some conversation about, you know what, maybe we should go with Case Keenan because then we can lower the expectations well, bar. I, no. I wrote yesterday that Bridgewater and Keenum would have been, if you had brought, now now Teddy is dicey, but Keenum would have been the safe guy to bring back. Because if you, if you bring him back, and let's say he regresses, and, and he doesn't go back to where he was early in his career, but let's just say he's okay. You could simply say, well, you know what? I mean, we, we gave the guy a chance, and we thought he'd be good. And therefore, therefore, you might be mad, but we did what we thought was best, and yeah. we all loved Case. Case was the safe play. Of This is specifically being done because they're looking around that room and saying, Kirk Cousins has the potential in their minds to win a Super Bowl. But here's where I'm growing just beyond frustrated. And this is a combination of um, statistics used in a a one-year period and also a one-season sample of a player. Everyone is talking like Case Keenum's 2017 is him now. Like every conversation. Yes. How can you turn on Case Keenum after what he did for you in one season? How can you be so bullish off one season? Kirk Cousins has faults. But you know what else he has? A resume of a starting quarterback. Sam Bradford stands to make $20 million with an awful knee next year. Kirk Cousins is going to be paid $8 million more than that. In six months to a year, Kirk Cousins' contract will not even be discussed. It's three years. I get I get that people in this league freak out because guaranteed the, the whole guaranteed thing. Absolutely. In in baseball, basketball, hockey, it's accepted. But in but in baseball, like the Cubs are guaranteeing five or yes. six years, six years of you Absolutely. Darvish. But my point is it's new, it's new to talk about a fully guaranteed contract in football. So I, I get the freak out factor. But let's just calm down for a second. It's like to, I, I what it's I don't have any problem with a logical, reasonable debate about Case Keenum. Because it's not black and white. It's gray. Like I'm not gonna die on the hill. I is there a chance that Case Keenum could have turned a corner? Absolutely. But you, but put yourself, again, in the shoes of an NFL executive where if you're wrong on this in a Super Bowl window, everyone gets fired. Kirk Cousins is a sure thing in that exactly what you just said. He has a three-year resume of being a, a high-caliber, above-average NFL quarterback. So you know you have that in a guy that wants to play for you. So you have that option over here. He's a sure thing. Case Keenum, until he proves sustainability, is a genie in the he's a genie in a bottle. That's what he is. Yeah, you until might have he to proves give the back. sustainability. Absolutely. So, like I would flip the question around on on Lewis Riddick and you know anyone who and by the way you know we can open up phone lines maybe later in the show I guess but um, you know there are a lot of pro Case Keenum die on the Case Keenum Hill people in this town and I would ask you guys why are you treating Keenum in your mind differently than. Josh McCown, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Brian Hoyer, the kind of backup for a while type quarterback who popped up. The biggest differences are now Josh McCown's 39, so there's an age difference there. But the biggest difference is recency bias. The last thing you saw was Case Keenum having a career season. And so you're gonna make you're gonna make your decision based on the last thing you saw, which is again, it's a pretty small sample size. It's one season. We've seen the one season thing before. Brock Osweiler, like we've seen it before. Mm-hmm. So I need someone, I'm going to flip it around. I need someone to prove to me that Case Keenum is better or different than the other guys who've popped up randomly without, 
And, without, clear, and clearly they can't. pedigree. And clearly they can't. But the Cousins thing... And I'm not going to take that and, chance but, and, if I'm the Vikings. And I, I'm not saying that Cousins is an absolute sure thing. What I am saying is that if you look at, at his body of work in recent years, there's way more there. And we're getting we're getting too hung up on the contract. It's a three-year, $28 million per contract, which is very nice. But Rodgers is going to sign for, what, 95-plus? Ryan's going to get 90-plus. We're, go- we're going to no longer, in- a year from now, the Cousins contract is going to fall in probably, what, the top 10? So, so this whole thing about how could you pay him that much, look at what quarterbacks are getting. Aside from Teddy, who, who had a catastrophic leg injury and got, I think he's going to get $5 million for one year. Look at what guys are getting right now. And we are getting, we're, we're talking way too much about fully guaranteed because right now that's odd in this league. But for quarterbacks, it's going to become the norm. If they if they had paid, if Kirk Cousins was coming in here uh, three years, thirty five million dollars per year guaranteed, I would mm-hmm. say, oh my gosh, that is a lot. Yeah, twenty twenty eight is not going to look like that much shortly. By the way, let's let's just go through a couple examples here. Josh McCown. We're going to get to Sage Rosenfels in a few minutes. So Josh McCown, it actually took him until he was thirty four years old to really have a breakout season. So it took him longer than even Case Keenum, but. In 2013, with the Bears, he had a 109 passer rating and a 13-to-1 touchdown-to-interception ratio. He was, by any measurement, and by the way, his QBR on a scale of 1-to-100 was the best in the NFL, 87.6. So if you take the same people who are backing Case Keenum, and Josh McCown has great leadership qualities. He had a great season. Mm -hmm. It was his first pop-up season later in his career. Mm Mm-hmm. After being a borderline starter backup, bouncing around for uh, a little bit longer time than Case Keenum, but that was his resume before then. If after the 2013 season you had said, you know what, I believe this guy, who really had a questionable resume until this pop-up season, he's going to be the one that leads us to the promised land in the next season. Let's hitch our wagon to him. Now, he went to Tampa Bay the next season. They weren't quite ready to win a Super Bowl necessarily, but Tampa Bay thought they were bringing on this 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 guy who had turned the corner and become yep. one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Yep. He was a disaster the year after. He had more interceptions than touchdowns, passer rating plummeted by 40 points, and he got benched after 11 games. And then he went to Cleveland, where he had another pop-up season. All right, he's back. Josh McCown, all right, he's back. 12 interceptions to four touchdowns and a 93 passer rating in uh, in the eight games he played. Well, let's hitch our wagon. The next season, disaster again. Just quickly. Some guys are just meant to pop up and fade away. If if this league thought that Case was great, guess what? He doesn't get one year guaranteed. He gets, With all of the desperate teams. He, he gets three or four. So essentially, the entire league is saying, we don't trust it. And the Broncos, the Broncos are drafting, I think they're drafting fifth. They're going to take a quarterback. And guess what their plan is? Case for maybe one full full year or deep into next year, young quarterback takes that job. So the Broncos in no way are saying, the Vikings screwed up. We love this guy. What they're saying is, you are going to be our Band-Aid for a while, and then you're gone again. Sage Rosenfels, next Mackey and Judd. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. They're not teaching uh, Sunday school class in terms of morality. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Mackey and Judd. Man, people are people in our inboxes are just teeing off on Lewis Riddick. 
Michael and Forest Lake emails, and maybe there's a reason Mr. Riddick is no longer an NFL executive. Oof. I wonder if he might be in line for something in Denver or or with uh, Washington. His level of angst about this was really odd. Let's play another one of these clips here if you if you missed it. So Lewis Riddick, who I've I, I always enjoy, I think he's great on TV. I've oh, never yeah. had any reason to think that he was off his rocker, but and I I mean I just disagree with his opinion on this. And obviously he's talking to people who don't like Kirk Cousins and who love Case Keenum because he even referenced the people I talked to. Mm-hmm. But to be this bullish on a guy who had one pretty good season with a loaded roster and coaching staff, that's where I draw the line. It's okay to be optimistic about Case Keenum or hopeful about Case Keenum. To be downright like all in bullish seems like you're ignoring history and resume. So here's Lewis Riddick again. Let's just forget about generalities. Let's just boil it down to specifics. Specific situational football, where is the edge that Kirk's given them? Is it in the red area? No. Is it pressure situations? No. Is it big game situations? No. So where is it? Tell me what's the edge you're getting for $84 million guaranteed. What is the edge? What is the upgrade? Where is it? Tell me where it is. And And if you're in that locker room, Chris, and this guy's coming in, and they give you a contract like that, and you're Anthony Barr or you're Daniil Hunter or you're one of those guys who's looking to get a big payday too, you're sitting there going, okay, all right. Yeah. <laughs> Show, me. Show me what this, you this, got. This, this yeah. has to work. This it, has to no, work. No, there is no if. You know it has it, to it work. It has to work. That's where I'm going. That, that is all in as all in gets. So here, here's another example, and this is why until he proves sustainability and the Vikings can't afford to gamble on that if there's a sure thing available, which Kirk Cousins was, you can win the Super Bowl. You can't gamble on whether a guy is sustainable or not. Uh, Brian Hoyer with the Houston Texans in 2015. Guy had a 91 passer rating. Actually, let's combine 2000. Let's combine his next year with the Bears, where he actually made a few starts and was was pretty good too. You're gonna hit your wagon to that, right? Well, San Francisco, he was a disaster this last year. So, like, there's a good chance yeah. that you could just get the bottom could drop out on a guy who has one pop up season when you're trying to win a but, damn Super Bowl. But in in the case of what Riddick is saying, go back to the fact of what I said before. Denver is signing Keenum for one year as a bridge quarterback. This is a quarterback-starved league. Sam Bradford just got $20 million. He just got more, potentially, than Keenum did. So if the perception around the league was, okay, we saw Case play, 2017 is for real. This is There yeah. is no question in our mind. It's for real. Guess what he's going to get? He's going to get at least two, if not three, seasons. He's going to get a contract that's going to have way more uh, guaranteed cash embedded in that deal. So the league is saying, we don't believe it either. Yeah. So I don't understand. This isn't even defending the Vikings. This is solely about Keenum. I don't understand what the contention is then. If if the Denver Broncos are saying, we'll sign you, but we're not going to sign you for long and and eighteen million is good, but it's certainly not great. Why does the rest of the league think? Oh, did you see that season? You know, Glennon got the huge contract from Chicago. Guess what? It blew up. So this is a situation of just taking Keenum's play. It was a fun year. It was a great year. Good for him. Mm-hmm. He did. He took a one year, two million dollar opportunity and parlayed it into a lot more. But this notion of well, this guy is now the real deal. The league's not confirming that. Yeah, the and, rest of the league. And historically in the NFL, if if a guy, if you have an opinion on a quarterback over the course of like five or six years based on his draft status and then based on what he did the first handful of years in the NFL, 
whether he has a pop-up season or not, like your first your first opinion on him is most likely right. Like though if you if you built it up over that much time. Uh, and if and if you think that it's not, if you're if you're going to bet on the other side, let's take the Case Keenum resume. You know, let's let's flush this out. Let's use some historical comps here. Undrafted, so smart people all across the league. Even though he set the the yardage record over four years at Houston in college, enough people said there's some red flags and flaws there. Whatever it is, like mechanics or throwing or mm-hmm. uh, physical traits that that 32 quarterback desperate teams passed on him in the draft. So. That's not to be ignored. I mean, there's an obvious reason why he didn't get drafted, or, or multiple reasons. Mm-hmm. It didn't break out until he was 29 years old. Let's just take those two things. In the last 20 years, there's only two guys who fit that profile and then sustained their success. Undrafted, and then broke out in their late 20s and maintained it. Jeff Garcia and Kurt Warner. Yes. And, and there's a lot of people who probably think, that's it. oh, Case Keenum is in that category. And you know what? Maybe he winds up being in that category. Yeah, but you've got what? If, but if there's a sure two, three years to find right, out. But if there's a sure thing available more. over here, you don't have to take the risk that he's going to be the third guy in that group, an exclusive group over the course of twenty years. I just think the, these conversations are maddening because it, it's not defending the Vikings, but it is saying take what you saw and now and now let's see it for I, I mean you you would think that a person that worked in the league would say okay that was good but i want to see that for a minimum of two two more years i have to see that instead of this and and here here's a tweet again now cousins guaranteed 84 million dollar investment <laughs> 84 million dollars is good this is a quarterback all right this is i don't know how to explain this Quarterbacks like Cousins, no matter what you think, and he has his flaws. Quarterbacks like Cousins, as uh, Pelissero told us on the show on Tuesday, rarely hit the open market. When they do, they're going to be in demand, and they're going to get paid a ton. Good or bad, they're going to get paid a ton. $84 million very shortly is going to look like a fine deal. I, I understand that right now it's the most. And so you're saying, man, Stafford. But think about this. Jimmy Garoppolo, who we all think is good, but we don't know. He played what five games, six games, and he played well. But it's it's a it's a very small size of games. Jimmy Garoppolo, up until Cousins signed his contract or or signs it today, I believe, is the highest paid quarterback in the league. This is all about taking gambles, and those gambles are predicated on on what you've seen and how much you've seen. And when a guy gets uh, like Keenum does to the age of twenty nine or thirty, and you haven't seen it, and now you do. You usually question it. And this also goes back to the fact that there are people at the Vikings far beyond the head coach offensively who probably know this game pretty well who said, I wouldn't sign him long term. I mean, do you do you think, Phil, that at some point in time, Spielman didn't probably go to a Shermer during the course of this year and said, Pat, what do you think? Of course. And, and clearly Pat didn't say, oh, my God, you got to sign him to a three-year contract, right? Yeah. Clearly Pat said, we're making do. Yeah. Uh, by the way, Sage Rosenfeld's uh, ten o'clock. Ten o'clock, he'll join us to uh, to talk about uh, the quarterback situation here. One more thing here. I credit to Mike Rand, StarTribune.com, for uncovering this. Durability is an important factor here. Not that Case Keenum won't be durable. I think if I, I, he seems pretty sturdy and took some tough hits last year, he's not fragile Sam Bradford where he just evaporates when a linebacker touches him in the pocket. Right? Yeah. When's the last time? A Vikings quarterback in back-to-back years started all of the games, all of the available oh, games. Oh, oh, so, oh, so all, oh, hold on a second here. 
Um, yeah, because Brad, yep, Bradford didn't come close in his. Is it, uh, would it by chance be Ponder? Did Ponder do it? No. Let me buzz you on that. I'll give you three guesses. Oh, it might, it's got to be way back then. I'm probably, do I go back to the. I'm just going to go yes or no on you. Oh, man. Back to back years, 16 games each year, same quarterback. Yeah. This is going to... Okay, uh, yeah, it definitely wasn't Ponder. There was enough Joe Webbs uh, inserted in there. Yeah. By the way, Cousins has started 16 games three straight years, mm-hmm. for the record. I don't think Childress ever got that then from a, no, a so quarterback. No, obviously Brett didn't. I mean, no? he had the Gus Ferrat, T-Jack. That didn't ever happen. Call, did, da- did Dante ever do it? Is that a guess? Would it be Dante? See, that wasn't a guess of mine. I was thinking no. So Dante went 16, 11, 16, 14, okay. and 16, and then 7 was the yeah, devastating the, injury. Are we talking like Wade Wilson? Keep going. Fran Tarkenton is the last Vikings quarterback, wow. and it was four, It was 14 games. <laughs> so the 14-game season? Yes. you got to go back to the 14-game so season. They've never had a 16-game I heard this this morning and thought that can't be right. It can't be right. Tommy Kramer, right? The guy was so Tommy yeah. Kramer Tommy went, got hurt though. He went sixteen and fifteen in yeah. seventy nine and nineteen eighty, and then yep. fourteen games in nineteen eighty one. There might have been a strike in here, right? Nine, uh, nine games in eighty two. There was a yeah. There was a strike in eighty two. So there might there might be a technicality here, but it was but it was but it, but no because fourteen games into uh, nine games, three nine fifteen thirteen six yeah. and then ten, and game started for I mean, the, so you got to go back. You got to go back to the 1970s, the last time the Vikings had nothing like this. Go back nothing to like back. Sta- the stability of the purple quarterback situation. <laughs> I did not. Uh, wow, I wouldn't have got that. Didn't come close. Yeah, and then yeah, that's you didn't get that. I would did you not come Ponder, close. For God's sake. Well, Ponder got through. Ponder started all 16 in the year that he missed the uh, the 17th game was the playoff game in Green Bay, and I didn't know if the season before, but that might have been his first year too. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, so we're gonna let's we'll get back to football with Sage Rosenfels at ten o'clock. Uh, last night, your Wild and my Wolves were in action. Let's uh, yeah, deliver some thoughts. I on. got a note page full of things about the Wild game. You sound really excited. <laughs> <clears throat> you know what time it is? Mackie and Judd are back. Stand to your duty on fifteen hundred ESPN. Join the rookie and 1500 ESPN at Big Louie's in New Brighton, 5.30 to 7.30 tomorrow evening for the Ultimate College Basketball Tournament viewing party. There'll be basketball and prizes galore, of course, a little bracketology, and the fantastic beer specials that's sponsored by Dos Equis. More details at 1500ESPN.com, keyword events. Bielitsa, he finds Crawford quickly to Jones, back to Bielitsa for the jumper, and he is blazing hot. Here's Teague, bump, Towns takes a tough shot and hits. He is money, <laughs> Carl Anthony Towns with 37 points. I'm going to assume that was the Wizards broadcast. The guy who's really depressed. Did it sound like Dave Benz and Jim Pete? <laughs> no, Dave Benz and Jim Pete were very fired up. That was the Wolves came from down 10, and Carl Anthony Towns was the only player doing anything for the first three quarters. Kept them in the game, and then all of a sudden. Wiggins engages, and Jamal Crawford, and uh, Tyus Jones was great, and Bielitsa started off poorly shooting. He winds up with almost a triple-double. Mm-hmm. I've got Wolves thoughts for you later. I'm more interested in your wild thoughts last night. Very disappointing for us. I think that's uh, 
kind of the only way to describe it. It's pretty disappointing. Not right yet. Well, we do know it's uh, not a knee or an ankle, so that's good news. And but it's a lower body. Yeah, thanks, Bruce. And we'll know more um, probably so tomorrow. We got injuries. We got we got losses. Yeah, we got depressed uh, Zach Parisi. Jared Spurgeon. So Jared Spurgeon, did, did you see that play in the corner last night? He did the splits yeah. in, into the boards and it's never, uh, never good. Okay, no. okay, all right. Here's the thing, Bruce. I I like Bruce a lot. Yeah. It's a groin injury. All right. When a human being's no, legs, it's, it's a lower body. When a human injury. being's yeah. legs split as he or she goes into the boards, and they basically look like a freaking wishbone, it's a groin. It's not that hard. Just say it's a groin. I don't understand this league. It's stupid. Is a hip a lower body or upper body? I mean, it's technically it's part of your like a mid body. It's above your legs, but well, it's kind of like it's a really good question, and I would guess it would be could lower. It be hip or gr- it could be hip. I would guess it would be well. The, he missed nine games. Spurgeon did earlier this year with a groin. I'm guessing it's a groin, and I'm guessing he's out for a while, which is going to hurt this team. Uh, so let's see. I took some notes last night. Let me get to those notes. This is a full page. It looks like from my vantage point. Let me. Here you go. Here you go. You, you can see it. Yeah. Can I read the yeah. notes? Yeah. Would it... yeah, Dave. Dave. There are the notes. It looks full. Okay. So <laughs> item number one, the goaltending. We got back to the March Dubnik, which is the fluky goal Devin Dubnik. The only problem here is he gave up three bad. The first three goals were awful. JT Comfort of the Avs beat some high glove side, short side on one of those typical fluky. This is why teams go to the outside perimeter and shoot on Dubnik. It's the very reason why. I don't know why he struggles with his shot so much, but he consistently does. The second goal came from, was glove side again from the slot. It was not an easy save. But it was a save that should have been made. He didn't make it. I'll get back to that in, in a second. But that is the video where an NBC uh, Sports Network showed Boudreaux on the bench, and you could clearly read his lips saying, wake the bleep up. I think people thought he was talking to the team, but I think he was mad at Dubnik because after the game he said the team played well for two periods and he's not entirely wrong. That was goal two. Goal three was the absolute killer. So you're down. So you're it's one nothing abs. Koivu ties it at one. Shortly thereafter, the Avs go back up 2-1. to one. Goal 3, 11 seconds into the third period. McKinnon completely dusts Koivu because he's so fast. But he goes in on Dubnik and beats him between the pads at the post. It made no sense. That goal was awful. All right? Let's go back to goal 2 because that's point 2. Granlund. This is why Granny drives me crazy. We all agree that when Granlin's playing well, he's a phenomenal talent, right? Like, he, this is not a fluky talent. This is not a guy who is good sometimes, but then his skills go away. He's got great talent. He now, since he scored two goals on February 27th in that uh, victory against the Blues, seven goals without a, or seven games without a goal, including the second one last night in which he turns over the puck in his own zone on a brutal turnover. I don't know what's happened again, but this is why Granny drives me absolutely up the wall because the skill is always there, and when he's playing well, he can be a phenomenal talent, and then sometimes he disappears. In fairness, it's hard to operate with blades on your feet. You ever tried? <laughs> Holding a stick, there's blades on your feet, there's like a rubber thing bouncing around. The last three games, your power play. Your power play, which, by the way, the last three games are Vancouver, which you won, Edmonton, which special teams-wise is one of the biggest jokes in the entire league, and then last night against the Avs, your power play is 0 for 9. The playoffs are coming. It might be nice if your power play might hit uh, once uh, a goal once every three games. You're 0 for 9. And then finally, let's get to uh, my pal Marcus Foligno. 
Did you see the penalty you took in the third period last night? I missed the penalty. Okay. I saw the splits. I missed the penalty. Okay, so there's... Saw the McKinnon goal. There's 12.02 left. You're I was more interested in... in I had some uh, Kenny G playing in the background during Carl Anthony oh. Towns' performance last I night. Don't blame you for that. I was actually sitting uh, in a uh, in a bubble bath. I don't blame you for that. Because yeah. this penalty... Okay. I would like to... Scented ask, candles. I would like to ask Chuck Fletcher and Marcus Foligno. I'd like to sit them down and ask them the same question. What is it you say you do here? Marcus Foligno last night in the third period takes a charging penalty. Now, now the Avalanche supposedly the Avalanche are sort of rough and tough. Now they're very, very fast, but they're they're a little bit cheap. Okay, they're a little bit cheap. It's hockey, and they supposedly talk from the bench a lot. Oh, they talk a lot from the bench. So Foligno decides to run a guy when you're trying to make a comeback. It's absolutely stupid. This is the whole. To your point for years now, this is the whole, let's add a tough guy. Okay, it's nice to have a tough guy if that tough guy's smart about when he's going to be tough. But arbitrarily running people when you're down in a game, it's not smart. It's stupid. In a game, by the way, in which like you're trying to fend them off in the standings, of course. Exactly. Yeah. So you, so Marcus Foligno runs the guy for no reason other than he's going to make a statement at an inopportune and stupid time. Those are my four points. The Dubnik goaltending last night was brutal. So these guys went to Edmonton and got shot out by the Oilers and you expect me to believe that it's because they were tired on a back-to-back -back and that's really hard. Fine. I don't buy into it but I'll let them have their precious excuse. Now how do you explain that god-awful performance last night? Don't tell me that they were snake bit because they hit a couple pipes in the third period and were really close to making a game of it. No. They were really close to losing by two instead of four. And never mind the guys skating all night. Can we please get the goaltender to shut the five hole and stop allowing softies every other game? And don't even get me going on what the blue line is going to look like if Spurgeon is out for a while. And now they get to go get drunk at strip clubs in Vegas before their next game? This team is screwed. Boy, that's a bot. That's an angle. Bot, I've got your answer that's for that. Angle. I told my buddy last night at the game, here's what I'm doing. Vegas has is great at home because because the Vegas flu has permeated the National Hockey League, right? Teams go there, teams go in, they go party, they play the game. They're awful cuz they're cuz they were drunk the night before, hungover, they feel terrible. If I'm Boots, here's what I do. The game in Vegas is on Friday night. How far is Utah flight-wise from Vegas? Oh, it's got to be pretty quick, right? That's my yes. I rent ice time in Utah. I leave for Utah today. I practice in Utah on Thursday. Are you really that worried? I mean, the Wild, it's mostly they mostly consist of older dad like hockey players. Don't care. Don't want them to I see Vegas. Think, I don't care. I don't, I don't I think they're they're a little older than the uh like the team that I would think I, would be part of you know Las what? Vegas. You know what? I don't need. I, I don't. Think the Judd bots a little, a uh, little out of line. Uh, here. Uh, I don't need Granny at the strip club. So he, couldn't I make a case? So, so Utah, I practice in Utah. I fly in on Friday morning. I fly out on Friday night. They never get to the strip. Couldn't I make a case though that you know if you outshoot a team thirty four twenty two and you win uh, thirty two to twenty faceoffs, in general you're going to win that game more often than not. Could I make a case that last night was a hockey loss? That you're just going to look at item one again, please. Okay. Uh, Dubnik, the Dubnik bad goals thing? Yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah the goalies have off nights. Uh, ha have you heard of the Dubnik March swoon? Because you've seen it. 
Listen, I'm you've just bringing seen a voice of reason. You've you seen said it. you weren't going to ride the roller coaster, and yet here we are. The Judbot was supposed to ride the roller the coaster Doom for you, and now you guys are I've sitting seen, next to each other. I've seen this too much from him. They're, ba- they're bad goals. Teams consistently shoot from. And the other thing is the abs are quick. Okay, so they're quick. You're not as quick. They beat you. The Jets are big and tough, like the Blues were in, in the playoffs last year. What is it you say you do well consistently to win a playoff series? You're not as quick as the Avs. Uh, Hugh chimes in on Twitter. If only Judd knew a guy that goes to every game for free with a media pass and has access to players for the game that could ask Felino, what would you say you do here? Tough talk. Yeah, why don't you confront him? Go down to the room. Oh, he wouldn't even mind. He's a nice kid. Go I, confront he, him. He's a nice. He's a fine. He's a. He's a. He would. He'd be like, uh, I. Don't, I didn't have a good game. You're right, Judd. Come on. You're down there. You're right. Put your microphone where your uh, mouth is for something like and that. And you couldn't use Marco Scandella back now, huh? With Spurgeon probably out. Instead, you got Tyler Ennis and Marcus Foligno. At least they're nice people. 